between monthly living expenses, managing multiple income sources, taxes owed from your Roth conversion strategy, and a lot, lot more, managing your cash reserves in retirement can get real complicated real quick. So in today's episode, we're going to walk you through how you should manage your cash reserves within the context of your financial plan and how that strategy should actually change once you're in retirement. This is another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canol, and I'm here to teach you how to get the most out of life with your money. And now, on to the episode. This episode where we're going to talk about managing cash reserves and cash flows in retirement is based on a listener question. And this question comes from Kelly. Kelly says this, I've maxed out my tax advantage savings accounts and I'm currently saving my other money into my Vanguard tax managed balance fund in the Vanguard money market fund and the Marcus high yield savings account and I bonds. I'm 60 years old and I want to build up my emergency fund out to five years. I have two years worth of savings in the Marcus and Vanguard bond fund now. I don't consider the I-bonds and the Vanguard tax-friendly 50-50 fund as part of the immediate need money since their timeframes are five years or more. What other tax-friendly accounts would you recommend for something outside of a 401k and HSA? All right. So Kelly, thank you for that question. What she's essentially saying is Kelly has money in a conservative mix of funds whether that's the Vanguard Money Market Fund, the Marcus High Yield Savings, I-Bonds, even a balanced fund. And what she's saying is she wants to have five years of living expenses in her emergency fund as she transitions into retirement. She also wants to know what other tax-friendly accounts could she use outside of the 401k or HSA. So the bigger question to me as I'm looking at this is we hear an awful lot about how should you manage your portfolio in retirement? How do you have the right mix of stocks, bonds, real estate, alternatives, whatever it might be to retire on? Well, what we don't hear quite as much is how do we also incorporate cash needs and short-term assets into that bigger picture portfolio? And how does that change from our working years into our retirement years? So that's what we're going to focus on in today's episode is addressing those types of questions so that you can understand how do your cash reserves fit into your bigger picture portfolio as you start to come up with a cash flow plan throughout retirement. Before we jump in today, I'm going to quickly highlight the review of the week. This comes from username KHNLB. The title of the review is Grateful and Five Stars. It says, thank you, James. I've learned a great deal from your podcast. I appreciate your insight and your financial knowledge. Thank you for educating all of us. Keep up the great work. So thank you, KHNLB, for that review. Thank you to all of you who are leaving reviews, more and more people tuning in every single month. And it's great to see that the impact of this podcast is having and hope to continue that even further. So quick call to action, if you will, is if you have not already left a review, please go ahead and do so. would really appreciate that. And two is check us out on YouTube if you have not already done so. So this episode is on YouTube, so that might be where you're already listening. But if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast player is, make sure you're checking out our YouTube channel under Root Financial to get more retirement-focused content that ultimately is helping you to get the most out of life with your money. So that is the review. Again, please leave a review. Thank you to KH and LB for doing so. And now let's get on with our episode. So going back to Kelly's question, her actual question was, what other tax-friendly accounts would you recommend for something outside of 401ks, HSAs, et cetera? I'm going to answer that real quick, but then I'm going to address what I see as actually a bigger question within the question. But to address the immediate question, you know, with the 401k and HSA, if you're maxing those out, 
you're pretty well on your way to maxing out all that you might have available to you. There's actually not that many tax advantage retirement accounts. In fact, I would group them all into one of three buckets. Now, this isn't going to cover 100% of them because there's some nuanced things. But in general, for the overwhelming majority of the people, there's three potential buckets that you could save in a tax-qualified way in. Those three buckets are your retirement plan through work. That's number one. Number two is any individual retirement accounts, an IRA. This could be either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, but that's the second bucket. And then number three, a health savings account. And you could even potentially lump in an FSA there, but because you have to spend that money by the end of the year, I'm not including it. So an HSA, an IRA, and then a retirement plan through your employer. So those three general buckets are going to encapsulate the overwhelming majority of tax-qualified accounts you can save in. So a retirement plan through work, this includes everything from 401ks to 403bs to SEP IRAs to simple IRAs to 457s. All of those are plan types that have to be established through an employer, meaning you as an individual can't open one up unless you're self-employed, in which case you do it through your employer, which is you. But those are retirement plans through work. The second bucket, like I mentioned, is either traditional IRA or Roth IRA. Now, SEP IRAs and simple IRAs, you might think those fall under that bucket, but because those have to be opened through an employer, I'm grouping those into bucket number one. And then bucket number three, of course, is that HSA. So going back to Kelly's questions, what other tax-friendly accounts would you recommend? Well, Kelly's already done an HSA, already done the 401k. The only other remaining bucket Kelly might want to look at is the IRAs. And now with an IRA, the max on that is not incredibly high. The limit's going to be lower than your 401k. And depending on Kelly's income, she may or may not qualify. So look at those three buckets, but you're probably well on your way with the 401k and the HSA, Kelly, in looking at your general situation. Now, what I really want to address is something that wasn't actually part of Kelly's question, but I'm going to turn it into the question. She said, I'm 60 years old and I want to build up my emergency fund out to five years. So what that makes me want to do is pause and think through how should you be invested or how much should you have in each different type of an account? And really what you want to do is you want to ask yourself, what is the purpose of each account? Asked another way, what would be the impact if you didn't have this account? What negative impact would there be? For example, let's go through a couple examples. Uh, Your 401k, why do you have it? Well, you have an employer match that's essentially free money. It's a great automated way to invest for your future. There's some great tax benefits. That's why you have a 401k. Asked in reverse, what would be the negative impact if you didn't have it? Well, unless you were doing some really serious savings elsewhere, you might not be as well prepared for your future, for your retirement. Okay, so that's a 401k, for example. Now, what about an emergency fund? So Kelly is saying here she wants to build up her emergency fund to five years. Well, why do you have your emergency fund? Well, what if you lose a job? What if your car dies? What if you have a major medical expense? You want to have some funds available if an emergency happens. Again, asked in reverse, what if you didn't have it? Well, number one, you'd probably have a lot of stress not having that emergency fund, feeling like you're living a little bit paycheck to paycheck. But number two, if there was a major emergency and if you did need cash fast, you would either have to put that on a credit card or finance it and probably not get a great interest rate. So it ended up costing you a lot more than just the expense itself when you paid that debt back. So you go into debt or you'd be forced to pull money out of your retirement accounts and pay taxes and or penalties to do so. So you end up wasting away a lot of that retirement account money. And this is why you have an emergency fund. 
So for example, if your monthly expenses are $7,000 per month, you might say you want six months of living expenses set aside in an emergency fund. What does that mean? It means you'd put $42,000 just in cash. So if you lost a job or had a major emergency, that $42,000 could see you through for at least those six months while you look for a job or replenish the funds you took out of your emergency fund for the emergency. And that's how the traditional thinking goes. Now, nothing's wrong with that thinking. And that is accurate thinking for people who aren't retired and who are under the age of 59 and a half. But here's what people don't quite think about. That thinking should change after the age of 59 and a half, or more appropriately, just say after the age of 60, to use a nice, simple example, once you're retired. Here's an example of why. Let's assume that you're retired and you and a spouse are collecting 5,000 per month in social security benefits, and you want to be able to spend 7,000 per month total. So same exact example like we just used, except now you're in retirement. So 5,000 per month is coming from social security. The other 2,000 is coming from your portfolio, whether that's your 401k or IRA or brokerage, whatever it might be, 2,000 per month is coming from that. Well, let's look at how your need for an emergency fund has now changed from the standpoint and from the context that we started with of what would happen if you didn't have this account? What would happen if you didn't have a full emergency fund in this instance? Well, we talked about the importance of an emergency fund if you lose your job. What happens if you lose your job in retirement? Well, it's an irrelevant question. You're retired. You don't have a job. But even though you don't have a job that's paying you income, you still have social security in this instance. So that social security in this example is still paying you $5,000 per month, effectively eliminating one of the big risks of not having an emergency fund during your working years of where's that income going to come from. Now, not just that, not just is there not the same need for potential income shortfall like you had in your working years, but what happened if you had to pull money from retirement accounts to fund the difference? Social security isn't covering everything here in this example, but what if on top of that regular 2000 per month you needed, you did have a car go out or a medical emergency, you needed quick cash and you had to pull it from your IRA or 401k. Well, during your working years, you would have been penalized for doing that and you likely would have paid higher taxes on this because you likely would have been in a higher tax bracket, assuming you were earning more at that time. In retirement though, you can access any of your accounts. So from the standpoint of, I want to have liquid access to all my accounts, well, if you have an IRA or brokerage account or Roth IRA or any type of liquid savings, there's really no penalty. So in essence, I don't want to call the entirety of your portfolio an emergency fund because it's not, but you have free and ready access to all of your different investment accounts should you need it. So the point that I'm trying to make here is the emergency fund is necessary in your working years because you don't want to have to tap into your 401k because you'll pay a penalty to do so. And because if you lose your job, your primary source of income probably goes away. Well, in retirement, your primary source of income is not your job. It's probably social security or a pension or investment withdrawals. And those aren't based upon you maintaining some level of employment. So that risk goes away. The second thing, like I said, is you can actually freely access all of your different accounts. So you might be listening to this and saying, James, that was a really long-winded explanation just to tell us the need for an emergency fund goes down in retirement. It doesn't go away, but it goes down. And you're exactly right. That was probably a long-winded way, too long-winded of a way just to say that, but I wanted to say that so we could set the context and the framework for how do you manage cash reserves? How do you think about what should be invested versus what should be in cash during your retirement years? Because it's going to look a lot different than your working years for reasons I just mentioned. 
Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only. So here are the three separate buckets or three separate accounts I would recommend when it comes to managing your cash reserves in retirement. Number one is that emergency fund. Like I just said, though, that emergency fund maybe does not need to be as significant as it once was during your working years. However, an emergency fund becomes more about peace of mind and it becomes about do you have immediate access to cash should you need it for anything that comes up right away, any expense, any emergency, it's still good to have that. So although I recommend a lower balance in your emergency fund in most cases for most people than they had in their working years, I still absolutely recommend it. Number two, I then recommend separate savings accounts for each short-term need you might have. Here's a few examples of what that might look like. Maybe you know that every four or five years, you're going to be buying a new car. Well, do you have a separate savings account and you put a few dollars each month, maybe a few hundred dollars each month into that separate savings account so that when a new car comes around or time to purchase a new car comes around, you can just pay for it. Or maybe it's vacations. Maybe there's a couple trips you want to take each year and each trip's going to take or cost $6,000. Well, you could try to come up with an extra $6,000 every six months, which is kind of tough on your budget. Or what you could do is you could simply put $1,000 each month into a separate savings account because what that means is every six months, you will now have $6,000 earmarked for that trip. You could do this with property taxes. You could do this with any one-off expense that you have that you want to make sure that you're planning for. And really what this is, is it's just a way of spreading out those irregular expenses to normalize cash flow. So you can actually understand how much are you spending in an average month, even if some of these expenses aren't happening on a monthly basis. So have a separate emergency fund, number one. And then number two, have a separate savings account for each of those short-term needs. And short-term needs are typically things that on average you're going to be spending within a couple, maybe even a few years. Once you have those two buckets, the third is your portfolio. And your portfolio is going to be invested in such a way with a combination of both conservative and growth assets to create what level of income you need it to create for you to supplement your social security, your pension, or other non-portfolio income sources. So with that relatively simple framework in mind, I now want to go back to Kelly's comments slash question to talk about how I might reframe some of the way she's looking at these things. So the first of which is she mentions that she wants to have her emergency fund be for five years. So wants five years of living expenses set aside in an emergency fund. Now, I can't tell exactly how she's viewing this because it's not really included in the context of the question. But what a lot of people will do in this situation is they'll say something like this. They'll say, okay, I want five years of living expenses in my emergency fund. So if I have $100,000 per year of living expenses, my emergency fund needs to be $500,000. Well, simple enough, but a couple things. The first of which is I would reframe the way you view your emergency fund, not to total living expenses, but the portion of those expenses that need to come from your cash or portfolio. Here's why. Let's assume that 100000 truly is how much Kelly needs to live on. Well, let's also assume, you know, fast forward some years, she has Social Security and pension come in, and that covers, just to use a round number, $60,000 per year. What that means is the remaining 40000 would have to come from the portfolio. 
So she actually wanted to know how much she needed to set aside to meet one year's of living expenses. It's not the full $100,000, it's just $40,000. Now, when we look at that $500,000 emergency fund again, well, all of a sudden that doesn't represent five years of living expenses. That now represents 12 and a half years of portfolio needs or 12 and a half years of living expenses when you combine her $60,000 from social security and pension with the portion that actually comes from her cash or portfolio. Why is that important? Well, when you think about that, do you really want money that you're not going to spend for 10, 11, 12 years just sitting in cash? Probably not. You're going to look at that and say, geez, that is so much money that's just in cash. I could do much better because I have a long enough time horizon that maybe cash isn't the best for all of these assets. So as I go back to Kelly's question, when Kelly mentions that right now she has two years set aside of savings between her Marcus and Vanguard funds for now, and her goal is to build it out to five years, the first thing I would do is this, is I wouldn't call it an emergency fund if it's going to be used for a specific purpose. Now, this seems like semantics, but here's why it matters. Again, going back to the framework that we laid out. Number one, your emergency fund should be in cash, some type of a high yield but stable conservative instrument. And that's fine for money that you know you're going to use for some specific purpose or that you just want to have set aside in case there is some type of an emergency. But what about money for five years out, for 10 years out, for 15 years out? You probably don't want to have that money all in cash. So understanding your need each year between your emergency fund, the various other types of accounts, the separate savings accounts for things like a new vehicle, vacation, property taxes, etc., That will really help you to hone in on exactly how much should you have in your emergency fund, exactly how much should you have in each of those separate savings accounts, and then how much above and beyond that might turn out to be too much cash. So as you transition from your working years into your retirement years, the thing that I want to get across here is your need for an emergency fund changes. Your need for different cash reserves changes. Make sure that your balance sheet, so the combination of your different savings and investment accounts, is changing to keep up with that. So that is everything for today's episode. Kelly, I appreciate the question. I know this is kind of one of those more nuanced, less focused on things that comes with retirement planning, but it is important. Making sure that you're balancing short-term and long-term needs because that's going to inform and really dictate how you should be invested or how you should be protecting your different savings accounts. So again, please make sure you're leaving a review if you're enjoying this content. Please make sure to check us out on Root Financial on YouTube. That's a channel name. And thank you as always for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you want to see how Root Financial can help you implement the techniques I discussed in this podcast, then go to rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here where you can schedule a call with one of our advisors. We work with clients all over the country and we'd love the opportunity to speak with you about your goals and how we might be able to help. And please remember, nothing we discuss in this podcast is intended to serve as advice. You should always consult a financial, legal, or tax professional who's familiar with your unique circumstances before making any financial decisions.